extra long yes this week for our return to Covered in Glory for the 2022-2023 Premier League season. Just like Liverpool, I unexpectedly had to take last week off, but we are back. Brett, how was your summer? Uh, it went by very fast, Toby, and I missed you very much. This podcast is, has just filled my heart with joy, and now I have it back in my life. So I'm good. I can't complain. I could complain about okay. Everton for 35 minutes straight, but I won't because I'm just happy to be back. Yeah, no, we'd like to keep at least one of our two listeners engaged in 35 <laughs> minutes on Everton. we definitely chase them away. Uh, so I didn't miss you that much because I spent the entire summer hitting F5, making absolutely sure I wouldn't have to watch Romelu Lukaku play for Chelsea this year. <laughs> and luckily, it finally came through. Uh, plus, I have three young kids. When they're out of school, it's like kind of being stuck with the McFred midfield. I can't believe it's <laughs> happening to me after careful planning. I feel completely hopeless and I hopeless and I just have no control over what's running around me. So I wonder if Eric Ten Hag this year will ever consider just throwing his hands up and sticking McFred in front of the TV at 3 p.m. Uh, when he's completely given up just like I have. So it can't hurt to try. So for those of you just joining us uh, here at Covered in Glory, we focus on the Premier League, particularly on the big six. For those of you that are not betting on the Premier League yet, shame on you. We're glad that you're here so we can show you the error of your ways. And we hope that you'll lay some action down with us each and every week. But I will say this year is going to be particularly fun, Brett, because it is extremely unusual, unprecedented even, and that we are going to take a break halfway through the year from the Premier League, and we are going to have woo, a World Cup. We are going to have a World Cup in just a few months. And so while this show does uh, focus on the Premier League, we have a lot of fun things planned for you guys for when the, the 32 teams take their nation's flags out, unite the entire world, and get everybody excited about the beautiful game. Oh, man. Favorite time of year. I mean, I'm pissed that it's not over the summer and we're doing it in the middle of, like, every other sport now. But I uh, I just keep thinking back to how terrible it felt that, you know, we didn't have a rooting interest in 2018, like how awful that was. But, I, I mean, I think back to the other World Cups, and I, I have never – I just have never enjoyed a sporting event more than some of those matches. I, I think of Landon Donovan's goal in 2010. I think of the Tim Howard performance in uh, 2014. Like those moments I, I are probably some of the most fun. I know they lost against Belgium, but there were still some of the most fun sporting event moments I've ever had in my life. And it's coming up. It's coming yeah. up, man. Three months. Yeah, and we're no. going to be right there. And I'm, I'm the perfect age that the 94 World Cup in America was what united my love with the beautiful game that led to you, unfortunately, having to listen to me each and every week, folks. So blame the World Cup if you don't like the show. Uh, so we're going to talk a lot about that leading into November, including how the World Cup might affect uh, future odds and week-to-week -week odds here in the Premier League. But that's still in the future. Let's concentrate on the present. You ready to get going, Brett, with this week's action? Let's do it, man. I can't wait. All right. So the clear game of the week is Chelsea versus Tottenham. Chelsea is eighth at three points. Tottenham is first at three points. Sunday, August 14th at 1130 a.m. Chelsea is plus 130. Tottenham is plus 220. The draw is plus 240. Chelsea minus half a goal is plus 130. Tottenham is minus 155. All right, so here is a shocker for everyone who listens to the show and knows that I absolutely bleed Chelsea blue. Uh, Tottenham is the team I want to talk more about in this matchup. Ooh. I obviously hate the club, but I have to say, I kind of love this team, and I like their future odds more than everybody else's. 
In fact, my favorite current futures bet for, uh, right now is for them and City to finish 1-2 at a super tasty plus 470. Liverpool is the obvious obstacle there, but they've already dropped points and they have the Thiago injury to contend with. Meanwhile, Tottenham looked unbelievable in that opener, and their front three is so much fun to watch. All three can finish, and all three can pick a pass from anywhere on the pitch to open up any of their teammates for a goal. Pierisic brings improved quality to the wingback spot that is critical in Conte's system. They have so much attacking quality, and they have one of the few managers in the world, particularly in the Premier League, that actually matter, as we've talked extensively uh, last year about Brett. And um, now they've had an entire offseason to commit to his style, unlike last year. So I'm probably overreacting to one game, but I was bullish on them ahead of the weekend, and now I want to load up on them even more. That said, Chelsea owns their ass this decade. So while I think Spurs are actually the better squad at the moment, I got to get to, I have to see them actually beat the Blues before backing them with a bet. So I'm taking the draw here, plus 240. Yeah, um, I mean... First off, it's weird that we're talking about a Chelsea match and a Connor Gallagher didn't get mentioned. Um, don't and he's back on inside like this. He's not even at Palace right now. Like he's in the the part of London that you want him to be. Um, well, they play on Sunday, and I feel weird taking the Lord's name in vain on the holy, <laughs> holy day there is. Yeah, I mean, I you and I are actually this is this is going to be great. We're starting off the year at odds. I like Antonio Conte. I think he is one of the best managers in the world. I think Harry Kane is an incredible player. Uh, I've sort of kind of shit talked son. And then he, you know, went out and tied for the golden boots. So uh, yeah, they're good. I think they're going to be, I think it's going to be a battle between them and Chelsea for the third best team. Um, I do think that Liverpool is still, I had a tier ahead of them. Um, but as we might talk about later, there's a whole thing about Liverpool and playing out 90 percentile seasons and how hard that is to do. Um, but yeah, I, I think that they're going to be really tough. I, I think that future spread is interesting because Liverpool is probably a Darwin Nunez like mediocre season and a front three injury away um, from definitely falling out of that number two spot. Um, but I, I just, there's some questions about the way they spent their money. Um, you know, Perisic has been great for Conte. He's played that wingback system. He is one of the better wingbacks in the world, but he's also 33. Um, and his backup is Ryan Sessegnon, who scored a goal, but that doesn't mean that it's going to change my opinion on him either. Uh, they also spent a bunch of money on Richarlison, <laughs> Richarlison my boy, from Everton. Uh, one of the most overrated attacking players in the world. And they spent a buttload of money on him to kind of be their fourth attacker. But the big thing is they are now going to have Champions League games to contend with midweek. And that means it's going to test squad depth. It's going to wear guys out. There's just going to be less prep time before the Premier League matches. Um, so I'm curious to see how they navigate that, especially because Sun and Kane have already have a ton of miles on their legs. Um, I think early in the season, we won't, it won't really matter as much, which is actually why you and I are going to be on the same page here, because I too think that draw number plus 240 looks really good. Um, the Southampton match was a little bit flattering in the scoreline to what they actually created against Southampton. Also, 
Southampton is really bad. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, all right. I mean, you're, you're going to start throwing SG at me already, and I'm going to throw it back at you throughout this year because I spent uh, a little bit of time trying to get a little bit smarter over the offseason. All right. But I also watched the game, and if Sun had been finishing at his normal quality, regardless of what the XG says, my eye says they should have won 6-1. to one. So I know Southampton wasn't good, but Sun kind of choked away two great opportunities, and their the finishes that they created, you know, weren't like world class. They just created excellent opportunities over and over again. Yeah, I mean, and they're going to have those matches too. And I think in in a lot of ways, the Haas and Hoodle Southampton side, um, even though it was they had some weird matches against them last year, it does set up very well for Sun because that's his thing is to get in behind uh, Kuliszewski and Kane can pick out those passes. That typically is a match that should be a field day for Sun, and it, and it was. Um, but that said, they still only created about one and a half expected goals in the entire match, um, finishing aside, which isn't that like blow the doors off. Oh my God, here comes Spurs type of moment, um, especially given the quality of the team and how the opposite of bullish I am on Southampton this year. Um, but I I do think that they're going to be good. I think that Chelsea. Also, there's it's been a tumultuous offseason. It's been weird. I've liked oh, the Sterling signing. Yeah, I've liked the Sterling signing, as you and I have talked about offline. Um, but they've they I mean, and you can you can weigh in on here. It looks to me as Pilicueta gets extended, right? They bring in cool uh they are committing to this back three, and Cucarelli too basically can function either as a wing back or that left-sided um center back in a back three. So you and I had talked kind of prior to the offseason and the player movement starting, then maybe this was the time that like a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1 with all the really good midfielders is going to come around. Do you think this back three is now here to stay? Do you think after their first match against Everton that Tuchel is going to get back to just suffocating the life out of opponents this year? Is that what we're looking at? I do think that's what we're looking at. Um, I also think Chelsea is an unfinished product right now. Yeah, uh, for I sure. Think they are still extremely active in the transfer market, and I think we're going to see some more activity. So trying to project what they're going to look like in May when there's still three more weeks to sign players is one reason we're not actually covering a lot of futures right now. Like I know you know, this is the time of year people love to do season previews, but I th- I think it's a little bit silly, right? Like, yeah, because we know, can like, still have – Big NFL, NBA, yeah. MLB, like trade activity or player movement doesn't happen until later in the season. Here, that we're still during the most active period, and these rosters are still unformed. That said, um, I mean, I, I don't know if they're all in on Declan Rice 2023-2024, but I do think they're going to need a signing of that ilk before they can fully commit to a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3. Uh, somebody who does fit his profile, if it's not him precisely. And Thiago Silva... As you know, as imperious as he is, and as much as I love him, um, he's clearly perfect for the mid of the back three, and might not at thirty eight be as well suited for a back two. And he's their most important defender. So I think um, I think they're committing to the Tuchel vision. I think they're setting up with signings that have flexibility to allow for more uh, creativity and formation over the next five years. But in the next month, the next two months, the next three months, I think we're still going to see a lot of uh, three at the back and a lot of the suffocating Tuchel that we've seen before we see the attacking Tuchel unfold its wings in the coming years. Okay, well, that makes me feel really good about the fact that my prop bet for this game is the under of two and a half goals. Um, Chelsea basically only created like the penalty opportunity against Everton 
in their defense, Everton was playing a super defensive formation with basically wingbacks and defensive wingers and like a three, four, three to kind of match them. Um, but they, they, the big thing that Chelsea did is they tilted the field, they kept the ball, encouraging signs there. I still just don't see where this game gets goals. I think this is going to be a really ugly game. You know, Spurs gave up a lot more actual goals than their XG when Conte came on board. But um, other, you know, basically than when we we saw him in Italy, Conte's system is a little bit more defensively sound. And I, I just think this is going to be like a knockdown, drag out slugfest of a match, especially early in the season with new faces going in and out of the pitcher for different each team. I think this is going to be just kind of an ugly letdown of a game, which is why I like the under the two and a half. Yeah. I like that bet as well. Um, Chelsea does not want to lose to Spurs. I mean, I, I've, I've personally been at the bridge when they play the Spurs and, you know, we hate Tottenham. Chelsea is the number one chant that goes around the stadium. And so they're not going to want to open at home against a loss to somebody that they despise losing at, you know, in the middle of February, not let alone the home opener. Uh, so I think they're going to play it tight. They're going to play it compact. And I also expect an under two and a half, like nil, nil, one, one, I mean, 2-1 is like a stretch of what I can see in this game. I don't think either side's going to rip the other open. That said, my favorite bet, uh, and I'm starting out hot here, Brett. Ooh. You want to take a guess what it is? I, oh God, starting out hot. I mean, what would be? Oh, I, no. You're, you're following the wrong word. I guess you thought I was going to go for some sort of hot take. Oh. I'm starting out hot with my, my favorite prop bet. Oh, corner right. bet, baby. Oh, corner bet. Corner bets. Okay. All yes. Right. I'm going over 10 and a half corners in this game at a plus 105 number. I cannot believe I'm getting a plus number. We're going to see a lot of play from width, uh, trying to break down the kind of compact middle of the field from both sides because both of them like to play from the uh, from the alleys. Uh, I think we're going to see Silva with some desperate defending. And I think we will see a few quick counterattacks where just clearing the ball over the line is going to be the preferred outcome by the defensive side. So I think this is a great recipe for an over on the corner bet, particularly when you consider these two teams, although it gets much, much worse opponents, obviously, but they combine for 26 corners in their respective openers. And I'm getting a plus number, just 10 and a half. So expect to see that one later in the five pint pickoff. Ooh. Okay. All right. We're going, I mean, uh, we're going to be like, just right. We're so basic. Cause I'm going to go back to one of my favorites here in one of the matches. So I mean, people might as well just rewind shows from last year and just play those picks. <laughs> hey, they can rewind them last year because we gave out winners. Both of us were plus EV betters last year. There so we go. If we do just as good again, let's do it. Everybody should be happy. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I'm sure I will have a lot more to say about Chelsea in the coming weeks, but there you go, America. There's your gift. I did not spend the first 20 minutes of this season talking about my blues while you guys all nodded off. <laughs> uh, let's head off. Speaking of not at off, let's head over to Arsenal. Uh, third at three points versus Leicester, 11th at one point. Saturday, August 13th at 10 a.m. Arsenal is minus 195. Leicester is plus 500. The draw is plus 250. Arsenal minus a goal and a half is plus 145. Leicester is minus 180. So I did nod off quite a bit during Arsenal last year. I mean, we talked quite a bit about how we didn't really love their style and how they played this boring trudge straight down the middle, drag the game out, making it ugly as possible style, almost all the way to the Champions League. So fair play to them. Um, they definitely looked better on the lineup card and the score sheet 
then they, they then they ultimately looked on the pitch in the opener. I mean, you look at their lineup this year, and they had uh, new signing uh, Jesus and Odegaard and Saka and Martinelli. It definitely looks more exciting than what they were rolling out last year. And and Jesus was electric in his debut. I mean, I really enjoyed watching him in a more featured role than he you know kind of uh, served in the juggernaut that was Man City. I thought he outclassed his teammates thoroughly in Week One. And uh, overall, I thought Arsenal did this way, way, way too much ball watching. Our boy, Aaron Ramsdale, bailed them out De Gea style several times. And the combination of him and Jesus let Arsenal win 2-0. But they were outproduced in XG. There you go. I told you got a little smarter. There we go. And the line, the line this week reflects a team that is far more convincing than the one I watched on Friday. So I can't say that I'm in love with Leicester. But I'm less in love with the odds on offer here. So actually give me Lester to nick at least one point and plus 160. Yeah, I looked at that too. And I, I'm with you. I, you know, I watched that. Obviously, it was the first match of the season. Um, so I actually had that one on full full 90 minutes. Uh, the first like 20 minutes, I was like, damn, Arsenal looked good. The final 70 minutes, uh, much less impressed. Um, and basically, you know, that that lead, the difference was Martinelli's header went in off a, like a clever little set piece play. Um, and then on the other one, and Eduardo's header got saved by Ramsdale. And that was the difference. I mean, it, the, you know, Saka scored, or there was an own goal where Saka had a terrible angle, just smashed it in. Unfortunately, it just kind of got cleared by Gay into the into the corner of the net. I mean, that just was pure luck. Um, it was nothing Arsenal was doing that was like especially dangerous there. It was just kind of a bailed out bad shot that just took a, a, a lucky deflection for Arsenal. Um, I have questions about them too. I think, you know, Zinchenko was an interesting signing in the sense that, you know, he's going to bring a lot more passing and that's Arteta's thing. I think it's going to make them better against some of the real weak sides. Uh, you know, when they play Forest, when they play Fulham, I think that type of ability to hoard possession is going to be good. I don't know if it made the team raise the team ceiling at all. And, and Jesus is great, but one of the best things that Jesus does is he is a worker without the ball and his pressing and just like overall energy when they were out of possession was phenomenal. Um, but again, I don't know how much that's going to raise the level of Arsenal this year. And one of the things coming into this particular match against Leicester is that Leicester last year was very, very underwhelming. Um, they were mostly bad and surviving on luck for most of the season to finish where they did. Um, but they had a ton of injuries last year. Um, Wilfred and Dini only played 1600 minutes. We kind of forgot the fact that, you know, the, the starting that year, he was the defensive, that number six ball winning midfielder that United was supposed to get to fix their shit. Um, and he barely played throughout the season. He's back and healthy. And you're going to see one of the best, like solidifying midfield players in the league. Now, hopefully playing a bunch of minutes for them. That's going to be a huge boost. You know, Madison missed time. Their center backs were hurt. Their wing backs were hurt. You know, they were playing Luke Thomas a bunch of minutes on like left wing back. Um, I, I think this year is going to be a different version of Leicester, especially now that Tillemans has stayed. Um, they rolled out a weird formation. It was like a 5-4-1, kind of like a 5-3-2, I guess, in Madison floating around as a second striker. Um, but I actually kind of think that Leicester might be very close to the level of Arsenal this year. Um, especially because Arsenal is going to have Europa League games and Leicester is not. Um, and I think that's going to be a big thing because I don't know how Arsenal is going to manage squad depth this year. Um, you know, last year they got to that fifth place finish. They choked their way out of fourth um, because they, they were only playing league games and cup games. 
you know, this year they're going to have a European element to it. And that always changes the dynamics. I mean, look kind of how West Ham faded towards the, the uh, second half of last season because of that. So basically you and I are going to be on the same page again. I was thinking it was a hot take because I wasn't listening too clearly, but we're going to be on the same side. Lester playing this even plus 160 half goal spread with a prop bet of Madison playing this new kind of floating 10, nine position. He took six shots last game for Lester and he's plus 500 to get two of uh, two shots on target for this game. I really like that bet. If this is going to be kind of his role is kind of being as like a pseudo striker playing off Vardy and being a high volume shot taker when he's one of the only real creative attacking final third players they have plus 500 for a guy that's going to be gunning to just get two of those four or five shots on target. I will take that every day of the week. All right. High variance bread is back. I love it. Uh, so I am going to replicate the formula you did in the first game and I'm taking the under two and a half goals here at plus 120. Uh, I do not think Arsenal has caught up to Jesus's class quite yet. And I don't see Leicester repeating their two goals against just 0.62 XG that they had from the opening day. So I think it will be a bit more than a slog than some might be expecting. And uh, you're getting a plus number here. So give me the total to remain uh, low. And I'm thrilled that you're, I'm thrilled with the number. Yeah, I mean, that's a good bet, too, because the two goals they scored last week against Brentford were very fluky. Um, Castanio's chance is particularly. So, again, you know, it looks like maybe they had a way more attacking output than they actually did. And Arsenal really, really struggled to do much of anything in the final 70 minutes. So I actually really like that one a lot. Cool. All right. Well, we got three more games to cover, but first a quick break. All right, welcome back. We are heading to the absolute juggernauts of the league, Manchester City, fourth at three points, versus Bournemouth, second in the table, Brett, at three points right now. Saturday, August 13th at 10 a.m. Manchester City is minus 1,400. Bournemouth is plus 2,800. The draw is plus 1,200. Manchester City, minus two and a half goals, you still got to lay juice at minus 140 and Bournemouth is plus 115. So never, ever in my life have I ever seen so much disrespect for a team that is second in the table, plus 2,800. Good Lord. Uh, Bournemouth beat Aston Villa 2-0 on opening day and what very well might be their fans' happiest moment before going back down in May. Uh, meanwhile, as crazy as it sounds, Manchester City to me is actually good value right now to win the entire league at minus 210, which seems like a hefty price to pay. But with Liverpool already dropping points and Thiago set to miss multiple weeks, this could be minus 500 in the blink of an eye. Like by the time we actually dig into futures in early September, it could be minus four, minus five, and it could be minus 600. Who knows? I mean, they look so imperious in the opening game, and I don't see how the league is actually going to keep up with them. So even if you end up selling the ticket later on PropSwap or someplace else, I think now is the time to buy it. Of course, injuries can hit them too and bring them back to the chasing pack, but watching them completely dismantle a quality West Ham team, uh, meatballs, hammers, in fact, in the opener couldn't have generated much hope for the rest of the league. Unlocking De Bruyne in the 4-2-3-1 and watching seven absolutely world-class players 
feed Hala and made it feel like they were playing an entirely different sport than everyone else. Oh, that goal, that one goal was like two passes from the edge of their box and Allen was in on goal. Jesus Christ. No, I mean, the slide rule pass from De Bruyne, he just ran by everybody, opened his body up and passed in the net and it was in the blink of an eye. I mean, in my opinion, after watching that, like so many people thought that, you know, maybe Holland will struggle to embed into the Premier League or maybe like he'll have to adjust the prep system. It's like, well, if he can run fast and he can run straight and he's that big and he has that many quality players feeding him chance after chance, of course he's going to be able to get off the snide quickly. So I'm of the opinion right now that you just absolutely have to back them in every single match until given a reason not to. Uh, even after you have, even after you have, even if you have to lay significant juice. Here's, so, a, here's a question for you. Is there a plus number you could put in front of Bournemouth to win outright for you to even put a dollar on it? Even if there are plus ooh. like 10,000 or a million, would you even waste a dollar or would you just burn that dollar? Uh, no, I mean, come on now. <laughs> like a, mil- a million dollars, I'm going to lay one. I might even lay two, but. <laughs> It would have to be something in that range that you're not, you don't just feel like you're throwing your money away. And like in, in this case, I wouldn't lay the minus 1400. I would, I'd go ahead and go for the goal fest, even laying minus 140. Give me Manchester City minus two and a half yeah. to go and do it. Yeah. I mean, uh, there is one thing. I, I know there's that one thing where you can like buy and sell stocks of athletes. I would be shorting Stevie G stock after that Bournemouth performance. I don't know if he's going to last a year in Villa. Um, yeah, but yeah, Bournemouth. Yeah, it's a new competition. It's a new revi- uh, renewal of the rivalry between him and Lampard to see who's first set. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, we got to find we got to find some lines for that soon. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think Bournemouth got very lucky. Um, I, Scott Parker is not a genius. We've seen him take a team down to the Championship with Fulham. Um, I don't think Bournemouth was particularly impressive with any of their numbers last year in the championship. Fulham, on the other hand, actually was. Um, I think there's some decent aspects of Bournemouth that'll make them um, competitive, like Dominic Solanke has been okay. Um, I think in limited Premier League minutes, his first time up, he was good in the championship, but he's not a guy that's like, again, at Carlos Tevez, all those years back with West Ham, and like keep this team above the table. They have no one that can attack. I mean, a, a sad kind of story is David Brooks, who was, you know, teams like Liverpool were after him for a while, had those health issues. He is not even really a factor in their in their team anymore at this point. Um, so they're going to struggle to score goals. And they're going to go against a team that literally suffocates the shit out of you. And it is going – that is why, to me, there isn't a line. I, I just – I cannot – unless, like, something happens, like in that terrible Mark Wahlberg movie, the or what is it, The Vanishing or whatever, where they all just, like – Collapse and die. You don't know why. Oh my God, that's the only. I love terrible movies, and even that one's a bridge too far for me. Yeah. Brad. holy hell, we gotta get you better hobbies. Uh, I'm just saying that that I don't know if I ever actually watched the movie all the way through. I've just heard about that part, and that's the only scenario in which I could see City losing this match. It's just all the City players just collapse in the field all of a sudden. Um, Bournemouth is bad. I think they're going to be one of our favorites in the betting pools to tip for relegation all year long. Um, and I mean, city's field tilt against West Ham. So field tilt is basically a stat that like measures how often a team keeps another team pinned basically in their final third against West Ham, like roundly the, the arguably the seventh best team in the league last year, uh, seventh best attack last year, 
their field tilt was 76 to 24. That means for three oh quarters of the game, they were playing in West Ham's final third. Imagine what that's going to be like against Bournemouth, who doesn't have a, a defensive midfielder like Declan Rice. Um, it's going to be ugly. I'm taking the minus one for I'm thinking the same juice. Two, my, two minus two and a half goals for City. You got to take it, even though it's not great odds. Um, and then the other thing, I'm going to take even worse numbers for one of my classics. Minus 310. City to win to nil, that clean sheet win. It's terrible numbers, but man, I just can't even imagine the, the, the way that Bournemouth would kick the ball past Ederson. I just I, cannot see. It. I could tell you it's 11 0, and um, they just get a late consolation goal because Manchester City is already like <laughs> looking at the women in the stands because Ederson tried to dribble go. through the all the way from like goal, exactly. goal line to goal line to line to touch line. Yeah, that, yeah, that's about that's it. the scenario. That's the one scenario. <laughs> uh, so I'm taking Phil Foden anytime goal scorer plus 180. While Holland is sucking up all the oxygen, you can quickly forget that they also have the second best young attacker oh, in the Premier League. Jesus, man. Um, and with goals potentially just pouring in this game, as we keep talking about, I'm going to back Foden to find the back of the net himself and remind everyone that this isn't actually a one-man show. Uh, I can't believe the embarrassment of riches those guys have, particularly at the ages that they they find themselves in. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, and and again, uh, you know, you you hit the nail on the head with the fact that there's there was some speculation about how Holland was going to fit, but that athleticism, and we're going to talk about this too with another top two team and their signing, Darwin Nunez. That athleticism was so much creativity around it. It's looking like it's going to be a potentially scary situation. And I did find this interesting too for Propets. Holland took the penalty, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, that is definitely something to file away when you're looking at his goal scoring props. If Holland is going to be their number one penalty taker, that'll be very, very interesting to see how those uh, anytime goal scorer props look. Yeah, let's cover this more next week, but just as a little taste, because I was looking at the futures uh, before we recorded. Halan uh, for the Golden Boot is plus 125 right now, which to me is actually crazy uh, because he's one injury away from the yeah. entire field just getting like massive boosts in their odds. And so having him drag the rest of the field down just creates a ton of value somewhere else. So like a guy who has one of the two uh, shoes from last year and son at Tottenham, he's all the way up to plus 1900. Yeah. Cause that's just the way odds work. If one guy is almost even against the field, there's value everywhere else. So uh, I'm going to dig a lot more into that after I kind of glance at it. And let's talk about it more next week of yes. Holland's amazing. Yes. He might score, you know, 15, 20 goals uh, without even breaking a sweat, but he pulls a hammy and all of a sudden sun drops down to plus 400. So you might as well get the value now. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like there isn't precedent for Holland missing big patches of seasons. So he's done it before. It's definitely one of those things where there's probably a lot of optimism bias driving that, Holland price down and then it's going to be more value for everybody behind him like you said that's a great point and you almost sold me on starting to bet money on that <laughs> <laughs> almost come on join me my friend join me all right uh, oh man oh these poor bastards all right <laughs> Brentford ninth at one point versus Manchester United 13th at Toby's zero points whipping boy. <laughs> Saturday at 12 30 p.m. Manchester United is plus 100. Brentford is plus 290. The draw is plus 250. 
Manchester United minus half a goal stays at plus 100. Brentford is plus or is sorry, minus 120 to score some points here. Oh my God. How long until we could call it a big five so I don't have to watch this crap team this entire year? I was actually uh, I was actually gonna text you last week and be like, do we need to just swap United out for Newcastle as part of our big six at this point? Holy <laughs> hell. I mean, sadly, I'm only kind of feigning protests because seeing them fall on their pompous faces brings me so much loads of joy. Uh, though it does bring back a lot of trauma. Because this is just like watching the Redskins teams of the early century, my my oh boy. Uh, hometown NFL team. You're, you're, tri- every, you're triggered right now. <laughs> it's where every signing instantly becomes shit as soon as they pull on the jersey, no matter how much money you spend on them. The fan base absolutely hates what the ownership did to the once fa- uh, proudest franchise in the league. But you can take heart, Manchester United fans. It's a decade later and... Oh, shit. Uh, that's right. Nothing has changed. All the players still suck, and people hate the owner even more. So I don't know what you have to look forward to. They were legit outplayed by Brighton in the opener at home, and unless Sancho is going to make a huge jump forward, I just do not see how they're going to improve on last year's embarrassing dumpster fire. Ronaldo is going to be a massive distraction unless they somehow find a way to dump him at the deadline. And while they hate Pogba because he wasn't at his best when compared to uh, his play with the national team, he was still wildly better than their current midfield options. So they are rubbish in the middle of the pitch. They're even worse at the final third, but at least on the offensive side, they can't finish at all. Uh, so, Brett, tell me right now why I shouldn't take them minus 105 to finish outside the top six this year. I have no reasons. There's no reasons. I really don't. And, and here's the thing. There, there was there was some legitimate hope that, like, Ten Hag could come in and maybe he was going to be the type of, you know, manager that could push a team past their level, right? We've talked about how there's only a handful, but – that to me got erased immediately with Christian Erickson false nine in the first match. Yeah. Um, oh my God. And, so false. And, and that was, that was the problem with me, I think. And basically the fact that like their interest in signing people was like 10 hogs, Rolodex of players he used to manage or liked um, great recruiting strategy. Traditionally, <laughs> I think they should definitely stick with it, but I just think I think there's just so, there's so many problems that the team is just bad. Uh, Marcus Rashford's now linked to the PSG. So you talk about their once you know golden boy who brings them at least some good PR with what he does off the pitch. Maybe leaving the team, you know they started Erickson, who's transitioning closer to a deep line playmaker, not a false nine as he gets older. Um, I you know I think there's like a world where you know they could put him and Bruno as free eights and maybe some young kid in their academy could step up and score some goals for them as a nine um, in front of those guys. But I'm not seeing it. You know, Ten Hag came in with question marks. We saw the first lineup. It's not like he doesn't have room to grow and improve and change, but I was already skeptical of, I'm always skeptical of managers that come from teams that have a massive resource advantage over the rest of the league. And Ajax in the air division has a massive, massive fucking resource advantage over every other team in the Dutch league. And so we don't really know what he was as a manager. And in his very first step, he pulls a lineup kind of out of his ass that you're just like, this doesn't make any sense. Um, there's going to be questions about Alessandro Martinez's size, who they brought over from Ajax. 
Um, it's just going to be a mess. I, I really, there's no reason I can give you not to bet that line. There's no reason I can give you to not basically pull all of your assets and put it on that line and just enjoy the benefits when it comes because they're just a dumpster fire. There's no other way around it. And I, and because of yeah. that, I'm actually taking Brentford plus 280 to win outright this match. Yeah, I was so close to pulling the trigger on that. My favorite new nickname is Eric 10 Weeks. That's how long he's he got. <laughs> I didn't actually, I didn't actually see that one, but I like that one. Uh, it's so good. Um, I was so close to taking the, the Brentford to win outright. I'm I'm going to whip out. I'm going with Brentford to get points at minus 120. Uh, Brentford's sneaky fun to watch, but I just don't have confidence in them yet. But I, I, it is, it's just like a fade United at this point. Like, how long are we going to be betting the, the shield that's on the crest, the shield, whatever you want to say, that's on the front of the jersey, and not actually watching the product on the pitch? I mean, they are shit. Yeah, and, and the irony is, is that, that that number six, that one really good midfielder that maybe could save that, save them, might actually be playing for Brentford and Christian Norgard, who's one of the best ball, probably the best under the radar midfielders, maybe in the Premier League right now. He's definitely one of the best ball winners in the Premier League. Um, and he could be a reason that they end up stealing points from United. I, although I don't even really call it stealing because it's not, I don't even know where United's level is at. They're, they're that much better than Brentford at this point. Obviously, losing Ericsson, you know, took like Brentford is, is a really interesting team because we saw it last year. Erickson was like the one piece away guy. And when he came, they legitimately were a team that if they had him through the whole year, we would be talking about European places, maybe even champions league with them. So they are, they are one guy away. And that one person away, you know, it could be one of their guys like, Yano or Jensen in the midfield, maybe like take another leap. They switch to the four, three, three, um, Jonas Wissa could maybe take a big jump at 25 and become a great attacker. Brian and Buemo, who's going to be my prop bet, could actually start finishing chances for once. Um, we talked about Sun being one of the uh, great overperformers of XG. And Buemo is like the guy that balances out the karmic scales on the other end. Um, so uh, Brentford's going to be interesting. And I really think that we are probably looking, I know everybody loves to over Act, uh, overreact to United, but I really don't see this as that big of an overreaction. Like I don't look at us in four weeks from now being like, oh, we totally screwed up by overreacting in that Brighton game. I don't see where this gets better. I just don't see yeah. it. There's not a player out there that they can bring in that's going to fix this mess at this point. And the current team is awful. Yeah. yeah at least in terms of the level that they're trying to aspire to. They're obviously better than like not even forced, but it's a bad, big club. I know. I mean, I was shocked at the way they finished last season and there wasn't some sort of massive overhaul. Like, I'm shocked at how little they did yeah. in the offseason to fix such an obvious set of problems. But anyway, for, uh, for my prop this particular week and maybe every week that I think he's going to be on the lineup, McTominay to get a card <laughs> plus 300. <laughs> Frustration is going to continue to boil over the more this team kind of uh, implodes. He just is not good enough to keep up with Premier League quality players. Hack them down, drag them back seem to be his only options, and both of them lead to better than a three to one chance that he ends up in the book. So I looked at F Fred, he was plus 200, McTominay's plus 300. I like them both. Give me the longer odds on McTominay to, to draw the reps' ire and uh, cash my bet for me. All right, man. McTominay card and Blamo goal. We're all set for that game. 
All right. Woo. All right. Let's get to a real team here. Not a disappointment, despite some of my earlier comments. Uh, Liverpool, 12th at one point. Crystal Palace, 17th at zero points. Monday, August 15th at 3 p.m. A little extended action for the weekend. I love it. I love the Monday matchup when it has a decent uh, lineup to it. So Liverpool's minus 500. Crystal Palace is plus 1,400. The draw is plus 550. Liverpool minus a goal and a half is still pretty hefty at minus 170. Crystal Palace is plus 130. Um, So from the rest of my comments, it might seem like I'm down on Liverpool. Liverpool this year, I'm I'm not. I just like the odds that I'm seeing for other squads that are around them uh, more than I like the odds on them. Nunez, I thought, was an excellent signing and was involved in much of the critical action after he came on over the weekend. Salah is still Salah, and uh, I don't think they will miss Mane as much as they might have given the excellent bits of foresight they saw by signing Diaz and Nunez in the last years where the transfer windows. Well, I'm sorry, transfer windows. It was super fun to watch them draw at Fulham, though, I've got to admit, because I have a huge soft spot for Craven Cottage. It's probably going to come up every single time we talk Fulham this year. <laughs> I'm really rooting for them to, to stay up. Uh, but I expect them to come Mar- Marco Silva, back Marco Sola, best manager week. in Everton history in hindsight. There you go. But uh, I expect them to come roaring back against a fairly toothless Crystal Palace squad. Even though it's a lot of juice, I'm going to back them all the way at the minus 170 to win by at least two goals. And for my prop, a good team to do a good thing. Clean sheet win minus one fifty five. Yeah, I mean, those are all really um, good bets, and I, I think mine are going to go against those, and I'm going to regret it. But this is what my brain is telling me. My gut is telling me to, to go with you. Uh, my brain is telling me I think Liverpool needs to figure some shit out still a little bit. Um, I, you know, obviously Thiago took them to a whole other level. That injury is going to be something that we will reference over the first six weeks, probably because the results aren't going to be there. But the Thiago Fabinho midfield, again, you can replay all our podcasts from last year. That was a dynamic pairing in terms of the way that it allowed them to control games. Thiago is one of the most fun midfield, one of the most fun non-goal scorers I have ever watched in my life in terms of what he does on a soccer pitch because he does everything well. He creates chances. He wins the ball back. He hits crazy crossfield balls into a guy's foot from 65 yards away under pressure. You know, he's just one of the best midfielders in the world. And, you know, last year he was mostly healthy for, for good parts of the season. This is kind of the reason why, like, he isn't maybe as talked about as, like, a Luka Modric, right? His Modric was dependable. He's always out there. He's never hurt. You know, Thiago is a way better player. Um, but, you know, his absence is going to leave a little bit of a hole. And then the other thing is, is they're going to need to figure out probably this attack. I think they have it handled with a Diaz, you know, Nunez, Sala kind of thing. And on the, in the front three with Yota and Firmino spelling, which what a ridiculous attack, <laughs> rich riches in terms of their front three and attacking options. Um, you know, and then Trent Alexander, obviously on the right-hand side. I think a lot of that's going to be good. Very smart soccer writers, um, Grace Roberts and Ryan O'Hanlon. Uh, Ryan O'Hanlon. I'm sure other people have written about this kind of return to a true number nine with um, City and Liverpool this year. And I think for Liverpool in particular, it's going to be a bigger deal because uh, you know, as much as Pep lived in this Falstein system, Mo Salah is not going to be this guy that's going to continue to do most of his work in the box. I think he's going to transition the way that Messi has, 
where it's going to be less and less goal scoring, getting in the box, causing problems and more and more creativity, creating chances as he ages with that in mind, that is where this Nunez signing looks really good. Even though there are question marks about his overall skill level is coming from the Portuguese league. The dude is just tall and fast. And if he can figure out how to just make the right run, he is going to have so many balls pinged to him from two great creative players that it's going to be like one of my bets that I'm going to keep taking until you tell me otherwise is Darwin Nunez, anytime goal scorer, like until he proves that he is not going to produce whatever it was, four shots in 40 minutes. Um, I think he is going to be a guy that we are going to prop bet endlessly. And that is my prop yeah. bet. But that said, well, the- Oh, go ahead. That's yeah. No, no, I was gonna say that's interesting. Do you worry about time on pitch? I mean, do you think he's gonna get enough time? He's gonna start from the beginning, or you think he's gonna be an impact sub? Because like anytime goal scorers become a little bit dicey if they only come on in the last thirty every single game, you like to see them get. Oh yeah, more of a run I mean out. that so you're what, betting what do you this be? if he starts the match for sure. Yeah, I, okay. Yeah. And and I I do think that probably the vet, best iteration of Liverpool attacking front three at this point will be Diaz, Nunez, Salah. Um, but that said, like, Yota could take starts from him. Firmino's still there and still very good at what he does. Um, but if Nunez is starting, given what he yes. showed us in the limited minutes, anytime goal scoring options, because he will just be in the box. He is a, a tall, fast, physical presence, and he is going to be on a team that if he's surrounded by Diaz, Salah, and Trent Alexander-Arnold, plus Andy Robertson, uh, plus Harvey Elliott, like the chances he is going to get are, is going to be nuts. Like he just literally has to be in the box to be on the end of, of great passes. And I think at some point those, you know, those balls are going to go in the net, even if he's not that great of a finisher. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I just wanted to remind, because uh, I think we have a, a lot of people who join this podcast are coming in and starting to really start betting soccer seriously for the first time. Not seriously, but casually, but you know, for the first time. And as a reminder, um, we tape this usually on Thursday nights. The lineups for games are released one hour before kickoff. Before you take any player-specific props, please go check the lineup and see if they're in there and see how the odds uh, have adjusted, particularly if they're not. like You might still like them anytime. But the odds that we're giving is assuming that they're going to get a full run out on the pitch. So just keep that in mind. Be safe out there, guys. Uh, All right. So that brings us to our unsafe segment, the five pint pickoff. Uh, This is where Brett and I engage a little bit of a head to head chicanery where we each put up a six pack of our favorite beer uh, each month to see who can have the best return. And then we add them up, see who wins, send each other some suds and then drink them in each other's faces. Me more than him since I won last year. Though I will say, just like I said at the beginning, give uh, I'll give Brett his flowers. Both of us ended up plus last year and, and beat the juice pretty handily. I was plus 10 units on the year. Brett was plus six units on the year. So kudos to us. Let's see if we can do it again. Uh, I am starting out strong this year for August. I am going to start with a two-pint bet, which is Chelsea and Spurs over 10.5 quarters. I love that one this week. Manchester City, minus 2.5 at uh, minus 140 for a pint. Arsenal versus Leicester. Under two and a half goals, plus 120 for a pint. And Foden, anytime goal, baby, plus 180. If they're going to score three, four, or five, I think he's going to get at least one of them. Uh, so I like that one for my last pint. All right. Well, I'm going to play it real safe to start, and then I'm going to go into my long shots because you know what? 
experience is going to counter me at one point, Toby. One of my center back bets will finally score this year. It'll oh, happen. <laughs> All right. But I, the safe play is City clean sheet win against Bournemouth. It's minus 310. Horrible, horrible odds. But I just cannot, like, again, there's just no scenario. Oh, Asteroid crashing to the city bench type of shit. Um, I'm Where else t- is anybody going to find somebody giving out minus three tens? That's a great <laughs> I, one to lead yeah, off I know. for a new audience, buddy. Super excited. Everybody's like super stoked yeah. for this year now. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm going to put two units there, but now I'm going to balance it out with, with some of my higher end plays that everybody has come to know and love and probably lost money on. But I'm going to take James Madison for one point plus 500 for two shots on target. Um, I am going to take Darwin Nunez plus 120 anytime goal scorer. That will be something I'll probably hammer until he has horrible odds and stop shooting basically nine times a match. Um, and then I'm going to go with Brentford, man. Like I'm going to start putting some money against United. Finally, plus 280 for the outright win. I'm going to put a pint on them. So I started off boring, but my high variance plays are still in the mix. If I can just, you know, get a couple of those and get my city thing, I'm going to be looking good to start off the year. I don't know if anybody would make book on this, but uh, when Brentford and Manchester United play the reverse fixture later this year, are they even money versus each other? Like Brentford plus 280 plus 290, whatever you're getting them at, seems outrageous given how far Manchester United might fall. I think people are still betting the name rather than the actual team. So I love yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if if Brentford gets a, a like some one of their players that we talked about, maybe it could be that fullback they signed to Aaron Hickey, if one of those guys steps up, this gap may be very narrow between these two teams. Yep. All right. Well, that is our season debut for Covered in Glory. That was a lot of fun, just like this year is going to be awesome. Uh, we're thankful that you joined us. We hope that you're going to come back each and every week to discover your love for betting on the Premier League, even if you love the Premier League already or you're just getting into it for the first time. So please come back next week to join us for our trademark bits of terrible advice backed by expert analysis. See you next week, folks. Take care, everybody.